question to ourselves, man alive, how did they survive? How did they manage waste? How did they manage food supply? I mean, how did they stop the lion from eating the lamb? Surely, I mean, these are important things to discuss. But the multitude who didn't make it, the multitude who chose to reject Jesus, that hurts, doesn't it, friends? Tell me if you're with me, right? That is sad. That is hurtful. And you know I'm not talking about a, you know, thousands of people on the ark. I'm, I'm talking about only a selected few, Noah and his family. And everyone else didn't make it. They chose to reject Jesus. That paints a pretty sad picture about our God sometimes, does it not? I mean, you want to... You want to be encouraged as you read the Word. And, and we know that these stories are to reflect God's character and His love for you and I. And what we often forget to tell in this story is that God did absolutely everything, all that He could to save every single person from that flood. He gave them time. He gave them messages of warning. In fact, you would have thought that some of the beautiful stories from their, from their fathers would have carried through, that despite sin in the world, there is an opportunity that Jesus has given us to eternal life, that Jesus would restore his perfect kingdom again. And for that for reason, I'm not too sure what, friends, it was forgotten. And God is, you know, seen as like, like Santa Claus, you know, like once a year he matters. <laughs> once a year he gives us what we want and, and that's about it. And if we don't get what we want, we can have an argument. But that's all we think about is that one time we need something from him. And when he doesn't deliver, we forget. So therefore, I think it's important, friends, and I'm just going to quickly do something here and it won't take too long. It's really important, friends, that we encourage one another with good stories about the wonderful things that God is doing for us and in our lives today, so that when difficult moments rise in our lives, when we are tempted, when we fall, when we fail, um, we remember some of these beautiful stories. So I'm just going to take a few minutes, not too long, and I'd like you to be courageous enough to raise your hand. And, and look, the thing I want you to discuss with the family this morning is, how has God blessed you this week? What has he done in your life this week? Too often we sort of you know, drift away from God for whatever reason, and somebody says mercy, but we do. But what is it that brings us back to God? What has brought you back to God during your difficult moments this week? Is anyone brave enough to share? Because we want to be encouraged this morning, friends. Some of us came here wanting that message of hope and encouragement, but I want you guys to share your, your journey with God this week. Is that too much to ask? Maybe it is. Okay, family. Man, we have a lot of things to praise God for. But it's difficult when you're a child to understand the character of God, and it gets more difficult as you grow up sometimes. And God puts people in our lives, I believe, to, that we may gain some understanding of His character and His love for us. For example, parents. Like Sometimes I, I reflect on my journey with my dad, and I... I can see God working through him and perhaps a bit of a glimpse of his character. Let me, let me explain. In the early 2000s, um, I was out of, fresh out of high school and uh, most of my friends at this time found a loophole in the government system where we could, in fact, 
um, drive super-powered vehicles, um, with vehicles with turbo, and uh, legally, and, uh, and still have the car insured because it'd been insured under our parents' names. And that made it very attractive for us. And, and a lot of my friends went down that path, and it was very exciting. You would see you know, the Subaru Impressors really came out at that time. And they, they were apparently the fastest cars on the streets, and police were struggling to keep up, so apparently they ended up purchasing a few of themselves to keep up with the, some of the guys. And I was excited as, as a you know, fresh out of high school. You know, dad and mum could, could put this car under their name, and I could potentially have one. Mind you, I had zero dollars in the bank, and I hadn't started working. But all my friends had a fast car, so I should have one too. So what I did was, I went to visit Dad's friend. Dad's friend was running a Nissan dealership, and he looked after my family's uh, you know, vehicle needs at the time. And I went to visit him and said, hey, listen, uh, John is his name. I said, listen, John, um, I think it's time for me to have my own car now. Like, I've been driving Dad's car around for a bit too long, and it's embarrassing my friends have faster cars. I'm thinking of something that's not going to throw him off too much. I'm not looking, after a, I'm not looking for a 350Z. I don't know if, if you know what that, that is. I'm after something like a bit smaller, maybe a 200SX. I think it had a, a bi-turbo or something at the time. I said, and it looks fairly slick, like it looks like a, a sleeper, if you know what that is. Like it didn't look like a high-performance vehicle. So, you know, we, we, I tested out and I did all the right things. And then, you know, I thought, look, it's time. You just talk to dad, you know, visit him in his warehouse and we should be good. So the dealer rocks up with my brand new black 200SX. I'm like 19 or 20, I can't remember to my dad's warehouse, and he goes up to dad's office, he knows where dad is, and he's talking to dad, hey, good to see you, like the salesman kind of thing, too. good to see you, and hey, um, haven't seen you in a little while, are we good, your car's good, da, 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 da. yeah, 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 what, what are you, and dad's like, yeah, yeah, get to the point, what are you doing, he's like, listen, just need you to sign some documents for us, and we should be good, your son's getting a car, and dad's like, okay, no worries, what are the paperwork, like, praise the Lord, that was incredible in itself, dad didn't say no, he knew I needed a car, so that was wonderful. So it's like, yeah, show us the paperwork. And, and dad goes to sign and says, what kind of car is it? With this beautiful accent. What, what kind of car is this? Is it? And they said, oh, it's just a, uh, it's a Nissan. Of course. And, uh, but it's okay. It's, uh, it's, it's a, bit, a little bit sporty, but it's cool. Like a lot of young guys are driving these cars these days. And dad said, it's sport. It's sport. And <laughs> I remember John looking at me like, you didn't warn your dad. I'm like, mm -mm. <laughs> tell him it has four wheels. Tell him it has four wheels. Dad hates motorbikes. Anyway, and dad looked at me then. It's sport. And I said, dad, it's sporty. It's not sport. It's sporty. It goes fast. It's cool. It's okay. I won't kill myself. It has turbo. <laughs> what? What you guys need to know, this is going to be a bit sad, but what you guys need to know is that back in that, those days in Victoria, you can look it up, maybe Google it if you like, early 2000s, a lot of young guys were losing their lives behind these wheels, right? These WRXs, these 200Xs, deadly cars. Dad asked, is it turbo? And, the, uh, and John said, yeah, no. He signed it already. He tore it up and, and said, no. Get him a pulsar. walk. Dad, I'm walking. I'm not driving a Pulsar. Nothing wrong with Pulsars in case you're driving one today. Great cars. I had one for five years. No. Get it out of my face. I was so angry. Guys, I was so mad at my dad. 
How could you? I've been the perfect son all these years. I've done everything right at home most of the time. Maybe not to mum, but you know, like you asked me to clean my room, I cleaned it. You asked me to help out in the factory, I helped. I've done everything that you asked me to. Why wouldn't you give me? Why would you deny me of this important artifact? It is street respect. It'll give me the, the right group to, to get into, the chicks. This car meant the world to me. How could you, Dad? And you know what the problem with our dads is, friends? If they're here, I've got to tell you, because no one's told you. They brag about their time when they were young to us. Are you with me? They brag. I used to sit there for like hours listening to dad's stories when he was young and what he did. He's telling me the days when he used, to, he used to be into motorbikes and he was trying to get into professional motorbike riding and he used to ride up and down the street, standing on his bike like that, pulling his pants up and down. And I thought he was awesome. But I don't want to do that, dad. I just want to drive a cool car. I was so angry at him. He had his time. This is my time. So after the dealer left and it didn't work, all that crying, Dad and I had a serious chat. And I said to Dad, if I can't do what I like, what's the point of me being here? Like you say you love me, but this means the world to me. You have no idea how happy I would be. You know, but son, it's dangerous. It's a fast car. You've never driven one. We've never had a car like this. You, well, you lose control. You don't know me, Dad. You don't know me. Oh, he knew me well. He saw what I did to mum's car. I have control. I know what I'm doing. He said, Nick. No, he called me Nicola. That's the truth. I don't tell too many people that because it's quite feminine in Australia, Nicola. That's what he called me. My name is Nick, all right? He said, Nicola, no. That's it. And when dad said no, forget it. I mean, he was an ex-boxer. Forget it. When he said no, that's the end of the story. I left my dad's warehouse almost, not quite, because I know it's a deep word, but almost hating dad. So I started to distance myself from him. Why wouldn't a loving father give me the things that I feel that I need, I want, I desire the most? I was restricted in his home. I wasn't able to express my, you know, my creativity in terms of vehicles. I wasn't able to, to, to speak my mind and all sorts of things came to my head. And I became, uh, my, 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 uh, in my mind, I decided from that point that I need to leave and set myself up away from dad. And very quickly you forget about, you know, the, the days that dad was with you and helped you and looked after you when you were sick, when you were afraid, when you were scared, when you were crying, when you were, when you were. Very quickly it's out the window. And it reminds me, well, actually, probably the more severe case of a story we find in Luke chapter 15. I'm not going to go for too long because we have baptisms coming up and this is super, super special. So in Luke chapter 15, and some of you are familiar with this story. Luke chapter 15, we have Jesus hanging out with some of the disciples, some of the Pharisees, and people who are just interested in knowing who Jesus was trying to learn a little bit more about him and what he's about and what he's up to. And Jesus gathers them together. And this is what the Bible tells us at the start of chapter 15. The people who were coming to, to surrounding Jesus were not impressed that Jesus was hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. Are you guys there? You got the context. So people were hanging out with Jesus, not necessarily because they wanted to learn about him, but some were there simply because they're trying to work out what he was up to. 
Why is he hanging out with sinners and tax collectors? And then Jesus does a bizarre thing. He's telling them some stories, that, hoping that they, may, they might understand. And in verse 11, a particular story about the parable of the prodigal, the lost son. I'm not going to read it all because some of you have had the opportunity to. If you haven't, check it out. Luke chapter 15 of the Bible and verse 11. But I'll start it off and it says this. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of all the estates. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Father, according to some insight about this story, the son was not happy and felt restricted at home. Father, I would like to take what is mine. I would like to enjoy everything that I believe is fair and rightfully mine, not in the presence of you, not in your place, because, you know, you're boring. You don't get me. You don't know what I'm up to. You don't understand me. But far enough away from me that I can be my own man. I can do what it is that I desire to do without you breathing down my back. And sometimes, friends, we treat God like that. Straight up, I'm just going to tell you, that's the reality. And then there's some of us who think that's not possible. What about those who've never met God before? What about those who've never really had an opportunity to have a relationship with God? This really doesn't apply to them, does it? We're talking about someone here who's tasted, who's experienced living with the Father, and then it drifts away. And you know the story, how the story goes. He gets caught up in stuff, loses his money, and realizes he's hungry, he's weak, he's useless and helpless, and is in need of his Father again. But that's not the story for most of us. Some of us really don't know God. You know, here's the wonderful thing about Tying it back to Noah, animals and creatures. <laughs> Here's the thing about them. For some reason, some of these creatures are able to disconnect themselves from their, you know, their mate partner, disconnect themselves from their children, treat them as perhaps supper, or just abandon them and leave them alone to defend for themselves and walk away. But God creates us in a very different way, in such a way that there is this almost supernatural bond that scientists cannot quite pin why. That there is a connection and the need to connect with family. Are you with me? As much as we hate them, as much as they annoy us, as much as it is difficult, there is this need to connect with Father. And I believe that God has created us in such a way that we would have an internal connection with him, with him. Are you with me? The separation between God and myself sometimes feels good. Sometimes has always been the case. But if I'm honest enough with myself, if you're honest enough with yourselves, you know that it's just not quite right without him in your lives. There are people who haven't met God yet, who haven't experienced him, but will testify today that life is not quite right complete without a loving father in my life who looks out for me, who loves me, who sent his son to die for me. Are you with me? It's just not quite right. And they long for it. They look for it. So here this guy finally realizes here in Luke 15 that he has nothing left. He spent all of his money. He's wasted. He's been robbed, bashed, ridiculed, whatever you call, and realizes that he's in need of his loving father's home again. And that's an awkward thing, guys. 
an awkward thing to experience. How do I approach dad again when I've left him or I haven't been around for a while or I've rejected him for so long? And what do I do? What do I say? Do I sort of like approach him from a distance and say, hey, it's me. But don't come close. I, I smell. I don't look good. You're going to slap me if you know what I've been up to. Can I just hang around in the shed? Is that all right? I'll work with the slaves, the servants. I'll do what I... It's, it's all good. I totally get it. And he does that. In fact, the story says that the, the, story says that the father, the father runs out to him because he misses his son and welcomes him home. And to me, that is a beautiful picture and a reason why I believe we are seeing two baptisms today. There comes to a point in one's life, and for some others, many points, where we realize that life without Jesus is just not enough. We are not totally satisfied. I left my dad, went and lived in Sydney for a while, hung out with the wrong crew, all that kind of stuff, ended up losing a lot of money, rang up dad and asked him for money. He wouldn't give it to me. It was terrible and mean of him. And there was only one thing left to do. It was to go home. I remember I was in a car with my two other friends. I had just been turned down for a job at um, Pizza Hut. Don't ask me how that works, friends. <laughs> I actually remember getting, well, getting an interview. And I, and I said, hey, mum. I talked to mum on the phone. Hey, mum, guess what? think about a job. And mum's like, okay, what are you doing? Well, I think it requires me to have a PhD, but we're going to make it work. Pizza Hut delivery, you see. We're going to make it work. <laughs> and it was excited for me. Guys, they turned me down. I had a Nissan Pulsar. I could drive. I was ready to deliver pizzas. And they turned me down. I'm in the car that night driving back from Pizza Hut. And with my friends in the car, I called dad. I said, hey, pup, you got to be a man with my dad. If you come groveling, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Hey, pup. He says, Nick, Nicola. I said, uh, I think I might have to come home. And he started crying on the phone with me. It was a wonderful moment. He didn't say, I told you so. He didn't say, you deserve this. He didn't say, when I see you, I'm going to slap you. He didn't, I mean, he could. I mean, this took my tooth when I was young. I think I said them. He didn't say anything. He just started crying, and I couldn't help crying on the phone with him. And I had my boys in the back, you know, these pretty tough Arabs with me, not Adventists. And then when he finally was able to speak, he said, Good. Good. And I went home, you know, and it was awesome. He hugged me, cuddled me, told me he loved me. And he found something for me to do straight away. It was good. It set me up, you know, it set me up. Here's the thing about our loving Father, friends. And the reason why I believe we're having baptisms today. You know, in Luke chapter, sorry, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, the Bible says this about God and us. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a, na a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Amen? And in case you're not too certain, friends, I want to leave you with this. Then pass it on to Pastor Dada for the baptism. In John chapter 15, I believe, 
John chapter 15, verse 16. Jesus, in his own words, reminds us today. Are you with me? Are you there? Hey, hey, gospel people. Hey, visitors. He says, you did not choose me. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Friends, God has chosen you. I praise him for that. My dad chose me. I didn't choose him, right? I didn't have a choice. But I praise God that the Father who chose us this morning loves us so much that he gave his son to die that we might enjoy him for eternity. Amen? God bless you, family.